Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast, an emergency podcast on this one, only covering one topic, and that is former five-star tight end Eric Gilbert considering a transfer from LSU, considering opting out of the 2020 season. Uh, lots of smoke around this one in the past, really, uh, 18 hours or so, and with me, Billy Embody, to kind of break down where things stand is Shay Dixon. Shay, we just heard Ed Ogeron join off the bench on 104.5 ESPN in Baton Rouge, uh, discussing the possibility that Eric Gilbert's 2020 season might be over and that he is considering just, you know, leaving the program for the remainder of the semester. Let's get your initial kind of raw take on why this is happening and, and where things can go from here. Yeah, well, look, let's start with what we've heard on uh, really what was going on with Eric the past 48 hours. Um, And we had heard rumblings through the year. He's a bit homesick, but never would we have believed that that would lead to him just transfer leaving, potentially transferring out, certainly opting out uh, for the remainder of the season. And now that's two games, uh, presumably at least it'll be Florida and then, uh, Ole Miss, if that one sticks on the schedule, Billy. But it's one of those things to where I'm guessing it is a multitude of things. I don't think that playing the results have helped. I don't think that the other opt-outs have helped. Certainly that kind of opens the door, eases the decision in my mind for other guys to do the same. Uh, I think that right now the locker room's a bit fractioned, of course, um, between the guys who seem all in and, and others who have opted out. And uh, and then you look at things like Zach von Rosenberg tweeted about. He said you have to think for the freshman uh, just from a mental capacity. He got sold. A, I'm a five-star. I'm going there to play for 100,000 people, and none of that happens. And they were a national championship, and now we win three games. And now, look, I'm not saying that it's right or wrong and that, look, it, other teams are struggling and don't have kids opting out. So this right now is an LSU issue, and, and that's all that people listening to the podcast really care about is what's going on and why is it an LSU issue. And Orgeron talked about this morning. He said, look, I, I could give you his exact quote. Um, he said he doesn't think that the locker room fell apart. He said, no, not at all. Look at how they fought. They fought the whole game against Alabama he's referencing. Uh, he thought they had a good practice this week. And then Jordan T-Bob on the radio asked him uh, if he thought there was some sort of disconnect going on or what was the, why are all these opt-outs? And he very matter-of-factly said, no, I don't think there's any disconnect. He think we're disappointed in how we're playing, but he said, quote, as far as the message from the staff to the players, I think we're fine. And then below that, right afterwards, when he was asked about the opt-outs, he got a little bit defensive saying that, look, and he said, here's what I'll tell you. A year ago, we were the best team in the country. And he said, he'll find out who's really behind us. And whether in his quote, we'll find out who really loves the Tigers. We'll be champions again, uh, wherever you're getting that. Talking to T-Bob's question, he said he's not buying it. Um, I'm not sure I'm buying that completely either, though, from Ozen, because I think that clearly he's not going to say it. He's not going to say, look, that we have fraction uh, locker room, that 
uh, in just two weeks time, I'm going to have to make some big decisions about firing people on this staff uh, for why this season's gone the wrong way. And, and there'll be a bit of self-reflection, I'm sure, from Ozend. And I just, when I'm looking at it, Billy, it's the Terrace Marshall stuff, we understand, you know, got it. People were upset about it. He's got a few games left. Why not play it out? He's going to go to the pros. Before the season, Jamar Chase, you understood it. He was a top 10 draft pick. It was an odd year. People were opting out and he did it. And, and you don't have to agree or not with these kids' decisions. Um, but I think deep down, a lot of people understood it. This one, we don't have all the info on, but Terrace Marshall opted out of three games. Eric Gilbert just essentially opted out of LSU for three years. And this was someone who we paraded certainly around uh, because we named him the top player, top tight end in the history of 24-7 sports over O.J. Howard. I mean, this was a guy that is supposed to be a complete program changer for LSU, was going to be this dynamic weapon on offense. Um, Orgeron publicly in recent weeks has said, get the ball to Eric Gilbert more, get the ball to Eric Gilbert more. He said it after this past game when Eric Gilbert had 10 targets. And now I think it's starting to make sense, right? Oh, he probably knew that Eric was going through some ups and downs and publicly would back him. He's publicly today said if he wanted to come back, he would take him back with open arms, just like he did Neil Farrell. But the buzz we're hearing is that Eric's mom came over. He was here. She was here the past couple of days in Baton Rouge, Billy, with uh, Eric. He met with Coach Joe on Monday and informed him of his decision. Um, and now the expectation is he won't play against Florida and won't play against Ole Miss. And he'll return to Georgia for uh, the season or semester or whatever you want to call it. Um, and maybe just rehash and, and decide from there. We can tell you this. He's not in the transfer portal as of the time we're recording this podcast. We haven't heard he's going into the portal today. I think this is one that probably plays out for a few weeks before we hear something definitive from Gilbert's end. The thing for me that stands out probably about all of this and probably why it's coming to a head and has gotten to this point. And look, like you mentioned, Eric Gilbert got 10 targets against Alabama. It's not as much him not getting the ball. And I do think to an extent, especially with the way Ed Ogeron talked him up in the offseason, how we talked him up, and deservedly so. I don't think we were wrong in doing that or Ed Ogeron was wrong in doing that. You're missing Miles Brennan. You're missing Jamar Chase. You're now missing Terrace Marshall. You're missing all these pieces that probably would have opened things up for Eric Gilbert. Now, when he signed, we were just a few weeks away from everything falling apart in 2020 with the pandemic and all of that. And that certainly had an impact on a lot of things. But I just don't think the offense, and I do think there is an element of homesickness, don't get me wrong, but I do think the offense and where Eric Gilbert's role is at is not what he has been sold, was sold in the recruiting process, to be honest. I think we've kind of seen that where Ed Ogeron has said, well, we want him to, to learn the tight end position first and kind of perfect that before moving him out to, tight, to a wide receiver and flexing him out a little bit more, which he's done and in spurts this year. But when you call somebody and talking about Ed Ogeron calling Eric Gilbert, you know, really Calvin Johnson, he didn't compare the two in terms of physicality and things like that. And, you know, a future hall of fame NFL wide receiver, but he in the offseason talked about his role and how Scott Linehan had Calvin Johnson in Detroit and that was kind of how LSU wanted to use Eric Gilbert. So I don't think there, I think there's been elements of how LSU has wanted to use him is not getting through 
on the field. And I think Eric Gilbert's also kind of considering that in his decision to opt out the last two, two games. Yeah. I mean, it could be, and look, I'm leaning more towards, he's a bit, everyone who knows Eric, he's a bit of an introvert. Uh, I think the whole season and how it's played out with every factor you could throw in there uh, plays a role here. Um, and, and maybe even a bigger one than the on field stuff, because I think that over time, sure, he was getting more targets here on the back end. But as I said in the front thing, I think that all these other kids, regardless of their age, opting out makes it a bit easier for a kid like him to do it. I don't think he'd be opting out if nobody opted out. I think that with how the season's gone, that it's a bit easier for kids to just say, well, I've seen all my teammates do it, so I'm going to do it. And and that has to be held accountable from a higher standard, right? I guess, I mean, Orgeron says it starts at the top with him. And I know you can't make every kid do exactly what you want them to do, but there's got to be some sort of stopgap here where eventually the bleeding comes to an end, right? And I've heard rumblings now. Nobody, I couldn't give you a name that's a bigger guy that would opt out than Eric Gilbert, but there's some backups who, and I don't even know if it opt out, quitting, two games left, shutting it down. I don't really know what you want to call it, but there's rumblings of a couple more guys uh, that will do the same. And I think if I'm at Orgeron uh, and the, anyone on that staff right now, I'm just hoping for the season to be over with because you've got to be able to get into your recruiting mode of A, the current team, and B, the future, which signing days in 10 days. You don't want to be dealing with all this, this crap right now when you've got signing day in 10 days. I mean, you've got to now double down explaining to the parents of all these recruits all of the awful stuff that's already been in USA Today and everything like that, which is conversations they have to have with mothers and fathers and, and children or, or high school recruits, I should say, their kids. Uh, but now all this, what's going on? Why did your best player just leave? You know, you're recruiting us there and the offense is going to be dynamic. And we heard they're going to, you know, as you said, chasing them can open things up. Well, the receivers out there, the Chris Hilton's, they all think they're coming to play with Eric Gilbert. Well, now you're not. And I don't think that means Chris Hilton or any of these guys are not going to sign with them. I'm just saying that they're having to answer a lot of questions that they weren't planning on, uh, let alone um, being three and five on the year and, and potentially, you know, finishing out with a couple of more losses if, if they can't get on the winning track. So it's, oh man, I just think that you'd love to press the reset button. That ain't going to happen. So I LSU needs to get to the end of the season. They need to get through signing day, get through these final two games and focus on the future because, and we'll talk about this more in future podcasts, Billy, but the scholarship numbers are a big issue right now. You can have Eric Gilbert leave. You can have, like I said, a couple more opt-outs. We saw Trevez Moore opt-out um, earlier this season. Apu Ica transfers out. You don't get those numbers back, whether it's Eric Gilbert or the worst player on the team. If he leaves and he's an initial counter for you, it's all the same. They're part of your 85. You still can only sign 25. They're hovering right around 60 guys that they kind of have available right now, like guys like Brennan. So the number is down pretty low. It's about 30 for the 60 total guys. And then when Billy always talked about, he's got to re-recruit this team because you could have kids go pro. happen, And you still can't go over 25. So they're going to be in the 70s. Again, next year in the scholarship situation, you didn't have injuries or what happens if more kids leave. And it's tough to make that up. You're looking at a plan where LSU is having to roster manage right now for two years down the road because that's when the first time you're going to be able to get back 
uh, to the end of the eighties and, and be able to make tough cuts and stuff like that this year. Yes, it was tough. And they had one game where they had what a positive test and a handful of guys in quarantine and they couldn't even play. They had to cancel or excuse me, postpone the Bama game and uh, ultimately make it up. So the scholarship situation for me is quite troublesome. And, and I know that's something LSU obviously worries about, um, but it's just the reality of as more kids keep leaving, your number isn't going up. You can still just bring 25 more people onto this team and that's going to bite them next year in terms of the depth they would want to have and, and they won't be able to have. Yeah, it, it, like you said, getting to the end of this season is the best thing that can happen to LSU and they've got to deal with signing day during a game week, too, which, look, last year they led up to signing day or the early signing period by playing in the SEC championship game. And even then, that was, uh, as we're recording the podcast today, a year ago exactly today when they beat Georgia in the SEC title game. And they had those roughly you know, 10 days or, or whatever before the early signing period, but they're also undefeated. This year, you've got a chance that you'll be coming off what would probably be, I mean, Look, Alabama beat them up pretty good. Florida is a very, very good football team. I can't imagine they're going to be coming off of a, a good uh, game over the weekend in the swamp, despite how that series has, is normally gone, which is you know one possession type of game. But this is not a normal year, uh, certainly for LSU in, in that respect. So you've got that, and then you're going to come off of that game, and you're going to be right into the early signing period in the early part of the week while preparing for Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss to come into Tiger Stadium. I mean, it's just been a nightmare season. It's been a nightmare uh, last probably 18 hours for Ed Ogeron to, to have to deal with the news that your prized recruit, your your recruit that, and and Brody Miller of The Athletic, you know, were good buddies and, you know, obviously been covering the beat for a while together. He kind of put it, you know, perfectly, I think, in the lead of his article on on all of this, which was a year ago, Eric Gilbert was – that that cornerstone piece during the season of LSU's rise to prominence and that rise to the national championship, uh, they picked him up in the middle of the season in recruiting. Uh, he was going to help revolu- continue to revolutionize the LSU offense. And, you know, for Ed Ogeron, now you've got to really reinvent, I think, yourself. You've got to reinvent your program because, like you said, Shay, from the scholarship numbers to everything that's kind of gone on and that they're going to have to address in recruiting with recruits and concerns from parents and, and prospects, it, it's, uh, I mean, what a difference a year makes. I mean, forget the pandemic. I mean, just, you know, I'm not uh, clearly now, and there there have been some things that have certainly affected the way this team has, has uh, this, the makeup of this team has come together. But, I mean, this, this team probably isn't that much better uh, than it is this year, even in a normal year. I mean, maybe you have Jamar Chase. Maybe you have uh, Tyler Shelvin. Maybe this, maybe that. But we're seeing that this team just probably wasn't going to be very good this year. And so now they've got to get their scholarship numbers together. They've got to get a, a very clear plan going forward on how to address the issues on this roster because it's not just scholarship numbers. It's positional talent, and it's the future positional talent that at certain groups, I mean, you look at offensive line, you look at, I think, linebacker, uh, when Derek Stingley Jr. leaves, I think we're seeing that the corner position could very well be one that is of a concern, uh, despite you know what they've got coming in in this 2020 class as of now. There's some serious concerns on this roster for the future, and it 
it's not just numbers. It's, it's just talent wise. Yeah. And look, I think, I think you could look at all aspects of that and, and break it down. But I, I think one thing we've seen, at least it can help you out here a bit is the, you've got to take more kids. In my opinion, they have to be talented enough to play here, but take this out, take the kids from Houston, take the Louisiana kids, take Jack Besh, Matthew Langlois, um, Jordan Gill. Like this is not a knock at all on Derek Davis jr. LSU doesn't need to fly to Pennsylvania to get a safety when Jordan Gilbert goes to high school on your campus. And that's just the bottom line. And I'm being as real as I can. And I think LSU sees that Christian Harris, a great example. You can go get Antoine Sam in Virginia, but why you've got Christian Harris on your own campus, double down on him. And I think we're going to see Orgeron move towards locking up Louisiana has always been important to him. Sure. And, and that often means the guys at the very top, but do the, you've got to get knee deep into these evals of all these other guys. And I think eventually Edger and Cooper a year ago went to A&M. They would kill for Edger and Cooper right now. I just think they've got to be smarter with the guys in state because those are the guys who can wait their turn, who will develop and aren't going to get homesick or aren't going to be itching to say, well, I should have never left home. You know, I can go transfer back wherever I was going to go. These guys have always wanted to just play at LSU and they're not going to be the type that are going to be bailing on you. I'm not saying take all Louisiana kids, don't go all over the country and flex your muscles do that, but balance it in a way to where you don't have kids on your roster opting out without much hesitation because they have no real loyalty to LSU beyond being committed there. And then, you know, flying in and going to school here for a year or two, it's different for these Louisiana kids, South Mississippi kids, certainly Houston area, um, East Texas kids. And, and if I'm LSU, I'm putting more thought into how I can build my roster with guys who are less likely to leave because this is the tip of the iceberg. LSU's taking it hard. Eventually, everyone is going to start taking some lumps, Billy, because free year of transfer coming up. The portal's bigger than ever. Um, all of these different things are going to really mix up people's rosters. And I think teams are going to more and more search to find what's that secret blend of filling my team with the most amount of talent, but also having it a strong enough rooted roster to where they're not bailing on us. The first sign of, uh, of any sort of uh, trouble in the water. So I look for them in these next couple of classes to focus a lot uh, on guys from around here and make sure those evals are there. And, and I'll put it this way too. Uh, and this will be my final thought on it. They don't live in Maryland or something like this. Is, we're not talking about LSU recruiting, uh, you know, Montana, Louisiana is a top five state for putting out talent. You can recruit Louisiana, East Texas, Mississippi, Georgia, Florida, and be among the best in the country. Actually, LSU's done that for a long time and has maintained being that good. So, yes, go flex your muscles with the national guys. Go get your offensive tackles. All of that, I get it. But also make sure you're bringing in guys that aren't about to bail on you the first sign that things are going wrong. And, and while character or future character can be tough to read, certainly – uh, it's a, you feel a lot better uh, about maybe how things could play out if they're from around here. Yeah, that'll be something to watch moving forward. And I think you look back on on some of the takes just over the uh, years where you you're just wondering, don't overthink it. Maybe you know, it, 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 I think that's kind of what it boils down to. And you look at 
some of these players that that they've brought in from out of state or you know cut loose in the past we can go revisit that i mean gosh it's been talked about ad nauseum but that's part of the reason why they're you know maybe in situations like this is they're just and we talk about on the board a lot they're a little gun shy to offer the in-state louisiana kid because you know once you do it it's got to be a committable offer and you could end up with them committing on the spot, which basically happened with Matthew Langlaw and Jack Bash, which is, they, that's fine. They wanted him. And those guys are more than deserving of the offers that they got. And it just makes a ton of sense for them to stay in the state and get players like that. And for many reasons to keep the scholarship numbers up, because some of those guys do go elsewhere and, and play very well. Like right now at, on the back end at the safety position, do you think they wanted, could, would want Joe Fouché who's playing well for Arkansas? Absolutely. Uh, there are, there are other players nationally, but that was just one that kind of came to mind uh, of, of players that, you know, you want to be playing for LSU and they evaluated him and, and, you know, obviously you know, went a different way and, and, and that's okay. And it happens. Uh, but, They've got to just try to dig down just a little bit deeper because there are sleepers every year that get out of Louisiana and they end up being very, very good football players elsewhere. It's something that they've got to address more than just landing the top high-end talent in Louisiana. So overall, it's been a rough start to the week for LSU. It started on Saturday night, of course. Look, LSU hoops is uh, – you know, a bright spot for uh, Tiger fans. So hold on to that as we've got two more weeks of football season. We've got early signing period to get to. Guys, quick reminder before we sign off, though, a uh, reminder to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. We're available on Spotify, iTunes, all over the place, wherever you listen to your podcast. So please do that. Keep it locked on Go 24-7. We're going to keep you in the know on all uh, we can share, which could be more potential opt-outs, could be good news on the recruiting front or whatever type of news we've got to share for the remainder of 2020. We'll be here for you guys to cover that. But for Shay Dixon, I'm Billy Embody. We're going to shut this podcast down. We'll be back later in the week to preview the Florida matchup. And look, if there's another need for a breaking uh, news podcast, we'll be here for you guys as well. So hope everybody uh, has a good rest of the week. It kind of you know gets on the up for you guys. And uh, we'll be back next time with another edition of the Go 24-7 podcast. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.